Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the longest running Bigfoot podcast on Blog Talk Radio. The original Squatch Detective Radio featuring your host, Steve Coles and Chris Bennett. Three decades of Bigfoot research, two decades of Bigfoot radio. Here we go. 911, what are you reporting? Uh, we got someone or something crawling around out here. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Uh, all I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature, and I knew, I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, in the whole night, this isn't a man. And the whole time, the whole thing was shadowing us, right behind us, right on the side of us. You could, you could kind of see the thing moving through the woods. There are thousands of perfect people whose word would be good on any other subject who describe getting a good look at an enormous hair-covered upright animal, and that is a fact. And good evening, cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch Detective Radio for today's date, March 24, 2019. I'm your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective Steve Coles, along with, well, he's singing Strawberry Wine, Mr. Chris Bennett. How are you, Chris? Hey, Steve, man, I'm doing good. Everything's going well in Kentucky. But we really had some nice weather. The, the past few days has been really good. And uh, although it's been a little a little chilly, a little windy, uh, we've been hitting the 50s and uh, the lower 60s every now and then. So, man, I think uh, actually spring is here. Well, it, uh, officially, yeah, spring is here. But I think I think the weather's starting to catch up now. It sure is. Well, well let's see what happens, you know. Where I live, you never know what's going to break in. I'm still a little bit hoarse from the uh, conference from a month ago, so still getting over yeah. that. Ugh. But uh, hang in there. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, you know, a lot of things to go over tonight. Uh, it just uh, oh, a yeah. bunch of uh, a bunch of things, and uh, you know, uh, obviously, we we've had a, a couple of weeks off. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, uh, well, what a lot of people don't know, and, and uh, it really hasn't been in the public realm, um, and for good reason because I, I'm one of those guys that likes to keep my personal stuff pretty close to the vest. But uh, I, I think I I have to make some mention of it today, and mm-hmm. um, you know, just because we we haven't been on for the last couple of weeks, and you know. Uh, Truthfully, uh, the the fact that we remained on, you know, the air for the weeks after um, this whole thing had, had occurred. Uh, for those who don't know, um, Stacy and I are no longer together. Uh, we haven't been going on week six now, um, and it's just one of those things. It, it didn't really work out. We're, we're not going away as enemies, um, yeah. you know, and uh, you know she is. You know, she has moved on, and I have moved on, and, uh, you know, we uh, the only other thing we've done so far is we've put uh, Extreme Paranormal Radio, uh, the show we were doing Thursday nights with Michelle and Stacy, we've put that on hiatus. Um, we don't know if that show is coming back. We don't know if it's coming back in another form. We we just don't know at this point in time. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, and that, that, as we say, is uh, where that's at. Um, yeah. As far as the other things, um, I, I, I still am retaining the directorship of the Extreme Paranormal Encounter Response Team, which is the paranormal side of the things I do. Yeah. So uh, it's been uh, it's been a very challenging uh, been a very challenging few weeks, and uh, we we actually muddled through a couple of radio shows, you know, through the midst of it, really, and um, you know, here here we are today. <laughs> so uh, we're back in action. We're back. In, we're we're back in action. Back in full swing, and uh, you know, we always wish you know the people that have crossed our paths in life the best in their future, and uh, yeah. That's the way. That's the way uh, you carry on with respect and with dignity, yeah. uh, not with with anger or uh, you know name calling or anything like that. It's, it's just okay. Right. It is what it is. So uh, right. we we move we move forward. <laughs> so uh, that that being said, um, I, I also wanted to say uh, that uh, this summer um, I will in spring probably. Um, I will be doing a little bit of uh, champ, uh, a little uh, Champlain monster chasing. So uh, I'll be out there. Uh, as many know, in 2011, I had the wonderful opportunity to go to Loch Ness. And now, uh, yeah. through a fate of uh, twist of fate, I now uh, have a lot of opportunity to uh, go out and look for the infamous champ, which is the Lake Champlain monster. So. Uh, a lot of positive things, and we're looking forward to, you know, kind of folding that into some of our uh, our events we do as the year progresses. And, um, you know, it's been uh, quite a year as far as um, uh, the actual interest in the Sasquatch topic. Um, already... Um, you know, uh, right now, in, uh, and, and I'll just go over my, my quick show announcements, May 31st through June 2nd, <clears throat> of course, is the uh, Bigfoot Camping Adventure at Benner's Meadow Run Campground um, in yeah. Pennsylvania. It's about an hour and a half south of uh, Pittsburgh. Um, great area. Uh, lots of sightings. It's right along the Chestnut Ridge. Um, and, and some of the folks there are going to be, you know, quite quite an amazing show it's going to be um you know uh, dr jeff meldrum's going to be there um uh dr paul johnson's going to be there uh cliff barrickman's going to be there um and, and a host of many others bill brock will be there um uh, you know so uh you know it's going to be a a heck of a uh heck of a an event and then uh, July 26th through the 28th, uh, I'm doing the Gettysburg Battlefield Bash, which is a paranormal slash horror slash, you know, thing on the huh. most hollowed ground in the United States, Gettys uh, the Battle of the, you know, the town of Gettysburg or the city of Gettysburg. Um, and, you know, my buddy Jack Ken will be out there. Uh, Scott Porter from Ghost Asylum, uh, my good friend Anthony Holmes, um, who runs a Maryland group, um, a great guy. Um, so that, that that's going to be a spectacular fun. I'm also uh, going to see uh, Dan Kleiss, who's the uh, owner of the Hinsdale House, uh, who's been making a lot of the rounds. Um, you know, and also my buddy, uh, the helicopter zombie from Dawn of the Dead. Um, uh, that movie, way the George Romero's second one, Jim Crutt, he'll be out there. 
and uh, they've already hooked us up. So they're putting me next to Jim and, and Jack, and we're going to have a, a bit of our own bash when we're in Gettysburg. Yeah. So that's going to be a, a fun event, uh, you know, a, a three-day event, July 26th through the 28th um, this year, and, of course, Gettysburg. So um, well, what else? There's a, a newer there's a newer show that's on, uh, I think it comes on Sunday nights uh, now. I can't remember what it's called. It's Paranormal something. And uh, I think uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, they featured uh, a video that was shot in at the Gettysburg uh, Battlefield. Oh, and, oh, oh uh, yeah. yeah. Um, that was, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Oh, gosh. I can't. Extreme Paranormal or something? Is that what it is? I can't remember the name of the show. Oh, no, Somebody help my me. group. <laughs> Okay, well, all right, dude. Uh, um, now, the um, paranormal, uh, I, I forget the name of it myself, but I've, I've caught it a couple of times, yeah. and they, they vary a bunch of videos from the paranormal to UFOs to even, you know, Bigfoot yeah. or crypto and oh, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So, yeah. Interesting show. Uh, of course, one of my, my uh, you know, Rosemary Allen Guiley's on that show. I know her very well, as well as Brian Kano. So, uh, you know, a very very interesting uh, show and uh, uh, interesting. Um, oh, yeah. Then there is... Uh, oh, yes. That's the one. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to say, what? which one is that? Um, the Sci-Fi Horror Fest <clears throat> is October 4th and 5th. Uh, that's going to be in Oneana, New York. That's pretty close to me. Um, so I'm not quite sure on the details necessarily of all that one. Um we're still currently talking about Scarefest, but we haven't 100% confirmed on that. And, uh, of course, uh, October 12th, um, excuse me, October 12th, 11th and 12th, is the uh, Bigfoot, uh, the Chautauqua Lake Bigfoot Expo. So um should be a real, real cool. good time. So um, lots of events, and there's more to come. Um, I know we're talking about Ocean State Paracon, which is in Rhode Island, um, and, and quite a few others. Um, so a, a lot of stuff going on. Like I said, I had a ton of announcements, uh, you know, some bad, some good. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I am super stoked about Champ Search. And, uh, <clears throat> um, yes, there, uh, there is uh, – more announcements coming about that very shortly, but <laughs> um, and you you can giggle all you want, Chris, now on that because you know the the other <laughs> stuff. Going yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, anywho, um, we have quite a bunch of uh, things to discuss today uh, in the future of Bigfoot research, <clears throat> and you know, as I've said, it seems like. You know, 20 years ago, and it's kind of funny because I got into Bigfoot research, uh, the tail end of 1998. So I really don't call because it wasn't a complete year. So I've been in this now 20 years. And uh, I've seen the evolution of a lot of different things. We went from email groups to, um, and even before that, before I got into it, it was, uh, you know, message boards, you know, before the World Wide Web really had grasped things. But, uh, yeah. you know, when I first started, we had email groups, and then there was forums. And there still are forums, but they're not as powerful as the social media platforms there seem to be now, such as YouTube and Facebook. And yeah. you have 
these two divergent cultures going on right now between Facebook and YouTube, which seems to be the major of it. Don't see too many big Instagram or, you know, Twitter groups uh, that that go on Mm -hmm. because of the way they're set up. They don't really allow groupings or groups to be formed. Um, You know, and for people who don't uh... know, yeah, I, I, was, I was just going to say, Steve, with, with the Facebook groups, I've, you know, I, I've got a Facebook account, but I rarely sign into it. And uh, But I do uh, look on YouTube quite a bit for, you know, the latest videos. But un- unfortunately, it seems like most of them, even like a newer video, it's like a week old. It's talking about a sighting that happened, you know, you know back in 84 or something like that. So I've not yeah, really heard a lot. And it's really hard really hard on YouTube to find good video evidence and you know that's not the place to look and you know unfortunately uh, the, the future of Bigfoot research uh, um, you know when it comes to Facebook it seems like a lot of times now we have the the inmates running the asylum now um, the, the rise of the paranormalists or I should say the supernaturalists the wormhole jumpers the zorths of the world the the uh, shape-shifting, cloaking, um, stump Bigfoots uh, seem to have ruled the, the the roost now. And it's so hard um, to navigate through uh, some of that stuff without getting yourself quite frustrated. Yeah. Um, you know, for the most part, uh, the mainstream media has stayed clear of that type of stuff, for the most part. Um, you know, uh, gone are the days of, you know, and, and, you know, of course, I see my buddy Darren's in, in, in the chat room, and, and he can attest, you know, I, I long for the days of having a good argument over maybe, you know, what, you know what branch of Homo did uh, did a Sasquatch come from? Homo erectus, you know, Australopithecus, Gigantopithecus. You know, those were the the good old fight days when you had a a ripper on fight over that. And at the end of the day, nobody went home mad. You know, yeah. now what you get is how can you um. How can you research the unknown? Well, there, you know, and uh, let me address that one flycatch in a second. Um, <laughs> you know, now, um, uh, now there, there seems to be this, uh, you know, like we see in the real world political realm, we see this total lack of uh, of tolerance, sometimes in either way. I mean, if somebody has some legitimate questions, well, and, and says, "Hey, well, why don't you think it does this, or why don't you think it does that?" If somebody has an open mind, as it seems to be, there's a lot of closed-mindedness. You know, yeah. uh, Stan Courtney kind of years ago, there's this researcher who used to do a lot of the stuff on audio recordings. He still does, but he's not as as prevalent as he was back, you know, ten, twelve years ago. And he's an older guy, so. Um, but he's the one who kind of opened my eyes to people experiencing what they call paranormal experiences or supernatural experiences while seeing a Sasquatch yeah. as being perhaps the result of infrasound. 
And then that yeah. is a good valid. That's the kind of stuff. Okay, I'll keep an open mind to some of it, but perhaps this is the result of infrasound. But you know, you have this whole subculture of, of, of the, you know, the, there are forest friends and. That makes me go, yeah, all right, it's kind of a tree-huggish type of, of terminology. But when you start right. to assign, oh, there's guardians and stuff like that, I, yeah. I, I just don't know. I, you know it, it, it makes me, you know, kind of... Uh, well, you know, you know I, I think but, the, but, the, for, the, the forest friend mentality, though, that was kind of uh, promoted by somebody that used to sell cassette tapes, I believe. And uh, what you would do, you would buy his cassette tapes and then listen to them, and then that way you would learn how to go into the forest and how to approach these friends. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't think that works very well. <laughs> I don't think uh, listening to cassette tapes is going to help you. In, uh, you know, but everybody's got an opinion, and, and that's fine. You know, uh, of course, we do this show, and we're – uh, we've got people on here that a lot of times, you know, I don't agree with them, but that don't mean that I can't talk to them about it. We can't have a discussion, yeah. No. Nope. And uh, when we at the end of the day, when we're done, well, they still might believe the way they believe, and that's fine because I'm I'm still going to believe the way I believe, you know, unless I find something to uh, some more evidence to sway me one way or another about something. But uh, now, yeah, it seems like uh, the way our society is going, though, everybody's at each other's throats. If you say you disagree with something that somebody else said or somebody else believes, you know, they want to kill you. <laughs> they want to shut you down right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, let, let me make this clear, too. If if Joe Schmo has his own Facebook page, and on his Facebook page he says that Bigfoot is a cloaking forest friend who c- communicates us with telekinesis, and, you know, he cloaks and decloaks. That's his total right to say that on his Facebook page. And I don't right, have the yeah. right to go over to his Facebook page and argue with him about it. That's his page. He's entitled to his opinion on his page. But when it comes yeah. to groups, different story. Um, that's why I don't really tolerate people trying to take other sides of the topic on my own page because that's my platform there. My that Facebook right. page has my name on it. That's my platform. But if I have a public group where, hey, listen, uh, the Bigfoot community or you know the Squatchers Lounge or whatever, you know, right. okay, right. let's let's you know, well, it's fine. Let's let's talk about it. We, we you know, you can give me a differing idea. Um, Flycatch asked a very interesting question. You know, how do, how do you research the unknown? You investigate the unknown and research the known. Well, um, that's a two-component process because there is always a bit of Bigfoot research because the sighting reports are known, are they not? So uh, the witness encounters are known. They may be up for debate, but they're known. So if you start researching where the sightings are, that's research. Not necessarily investigation. Research is more to me of a desktop approach or an analytical approach, whereas an investigative approach is the boots on the ground interviewing stuff like that. That's the two different types yeah. of phases, and that's the way I look at it. You can research the history of a of a topic. You can investigate uh, sighting reports and investigate, 
you know, while you're on expedition of different findings. But the research goes into what is known, and that's, uh, you know, be it, um, uh, be it, um, um, how should you say, be it sightings, be it, uh, you know, descriptions of, of like, like there, there's a lot of research going on. For example, oh, well, I, I see that the Sasquatch has a lack of a neck and it seems to have big shoulders. Well, then you can do research on primates and say, well, yes, the gorilla is the same way or, you know, whatever. So there is a research component to it. Um, you know, in, in the paranormal side of things, research goes into property you know, or the history of a property, the ownership of a property, the history of the, the grounds around it. You know, that's where the research falls into that. So there's always a different, even in, you know, components. If you look at a crime, okay, there, here's a crime where there's an unknown. You investigate what's going on. But when you get the physical evidence, you research the physical evidence. In other words, yeah. okay, well, here's this tire track. Now I have to do research and see where this tire track comes back to. So there are two dozen, two different components, and there's research into every investigation, no matter how you look at it, because there's always some sort of known known part of the investigation, whether it be uh, a witness report, whether it be a piece of physical evidence that you need to get background on. Uh, there's always a research component. So that's my answer to that. So I... Uh, you know, and uh, when I use the future now, research, I use it as a whole. Well, yeah, and uh, now, according to our new advanced technology that is now being put forth in the field, uh, something I'm really excited about is this uh, environmental DNA and uh, environmental DNA collection. And uh, I, I saw, uh, you know, one episode about the Yeti when they were trying to get some envir- DNA out of the snow. But, uh, you know, that, that's not, not really related to us here in the U.S., but I think it would be time to maybe uh, start to revamp the uh, Squatch D University and putting some collection methods for yeah. DNA, like scooping up some uh, dirt or twigs or whatever out of a footprint, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, um, well, I noticed there is this, like, DNA vacuum they have that yeah. – they're supposed to collect this DNA, you know, with this little vacuum. And I think that may be part of what you're talking about. I just happened to catch that myself recently. So that, that's yeah. some pretty, pretty phenomenal stuff going on, pretty heavy stuff. Um, yeah. But uh, just so I'm going to put it out there, anybody who wants to call in and join the conversation, our call-in number is area code 646-668-2982. That's 646-668-2982. And we just kind of have like an open forum tonight talking about the future of Bigfoot research and different things. And, Chris, you hit upon a great point. This 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 environmental DNA collection, that may be the right. way to go. You know, that that could be very much what we've been looking for the whole entire time to easily... <laughs> okay. Kite, uh, Kite Squat's in the chat room. He asked, what's environmental DNA? Okay, well, uh, Kite, what that is, is um, the DNA, they can take a, a such a small, they can get DNA from a, such a small environment, or excuse me, such a small piece of the environment. Like uh, if... Uh, uh, the, the the example that was used in, uh, I think it was Tibet, I'm not certain, when they were looking for the Yeti, uh, they went to watering sources where uh, these creatures maybe bend down to get a drink out of. 
and they were collecting water from uh, these watering holes. And uh, they also collected uh, snow from, you know, what they thought may have been footprints. And uh, just that small, tiny traces of DNA left, like maybe from a skin cell or something, uh, either floating around in the water or um, or uh, uh, from the melted snow from the track, uh, they can identify a, a complete DNA structure to identify the whatever whatever made that track or whatever's been drinking that water. It's pretty cool, and, <laughs> right? And and Darren brings up a point, and it's a very good point. But even then, any DNA collected won't be of any use to us until there is a type specimen to verify. You know, uh, verify that is indeed Bigfoot DNA. But here's my, my, my point to that. If you come across a piece of DNA and it can be sequenced, it's going to show that it's, it's a primate, and that, but not a human. And that in and of itself may be a major discovery that may not say, hey, that's a Bigfoot, but it may start lending towards the argument. And that's when more serious stuff can come in. That's my my thought process on that. Like I say, the way to properly collect that would be to get a trail camera somewhere with some audio, get some pictures, get some there. There's the DNA being left. Now you collect it right. on video, and now you have yeah. a chain of custody of evidence to say, hey, listen, this is what caused it. Here's the DNA collection process. Here are the results. Science is going to have right. a real hard time trying to argue that. Um, they yeah. will, but it's going to be an uphill <laughs> yeah. battle. Yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. You know, anything that uh, uh, and, comes and, out that can uh, help. Uh, and then ahead, again, man. Western New York, uh, Western New York Bigfoot <clears throat> actually just chimed in. What if there's collaborative evidence along with the sample obtained? And exactly that that has always been my yeah. process to do that yeah. is to going to do a DNA collection, you've got to have some corroborative evidence and photo and audio. And I always feel that the audio, that's why I leave a digital recorder under the trail camera, let that run. Um, because hopefully we can get some of the sounds, noises, grunts, whatever, to go with that. And, uh, yeah. and of course, when I set my trail camera up, uh, when I set my trail camera up, I always set it to a six-shot burst, the max shot burst, and I set it with the least time of delay. So it shoots six pictures, 15-second delay, six pictures. And what you end up doing is getting a time-lapse video almost without eating up your memory card uh, that video does. And that was actually suggested to me by Dr. Bruce Maccabee many years ago when we were talking about the Vermont trail cam photo. He says the way to really set a trail cam up right, and it was really good to get that. And I actually have employed that. And I remember one time I, I, my buddy who was lugged to hunt, I gave it to him 248 pictures over a three-day period of time. And we got several deer and uh, this one dopey bear that had a piece of tape on his butt. Scotch tape. I don't know how I got there, but he's walking. There's a bear's button. It's got a piece of scotch tape on it. I love that bear. But, um, but yeah. Oh, man. So, well, you know, the interesting so, thing about it was uh, they got some uh, they got some DNA from that, uh, that Yeti uh, expedition that they were collecting the environmental DNA. And it, it came back, you know, and they matched, tried to type match it. And, uh, it didn't come back on record, but they, as you know, uh, any known person or animal, 
but they said it was most closely to re- related to like uh, some of the Tibetan people. So it could be a uh, an unknown uh, strand of DNA from a like a hill tribe or something. But uh, you know, um, if they can do that there, man, we can do it here. Hey, uh, Chris, keep talking for a second. Tack wants me to share uh, one of the bear yeah, pictures, man. and I gotta, I gotta find it. Um, Grab them. You know, when, you, <laughs> when you've been doing this twenty years, I got files all over this damn computer. I don't know if it's on yeah. my backup drive or my, my. Uh, um, I, I know I gotta have the the bear pictures, well, see, that's but the thing. It, it was, yeah. We uh, we keep all these photos and videos and stuff on different computers, and you know, and Steve, you've had the same thing happen that I had here a while back. I had all my all my primo stuff on a, a separate hard drive, an external hard drive, just to protect it, you know, in case a computer crashed. And uh, of course, that wasn't my only backup. You know, I'm, I've learned, you know, you do backups of the backups of the backups. But sure enough. This external hard drive that I had purchased just to preserve my Bigfoot stuff crashed, and there was there was no recovering it, man. And I was like, "Wow, that's great!" You know, this I tried to protect my evidence, and now it's gone. But you know, luckily I, I always had backups of the backups, so yeah, I've still got my stuff. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of um, aggravating. Yeah, I really don't. There is no way I can share that picture in the chat. Um, uh, anyway, um, I'm just trying to see if I have a link to it somewhere, but I, I don't know. I don't think I uh, I do, but you know what I am going to do? I am going to add that video to uh, yeah. the uh, – because what I did was I took all the pictures, and then you move them into Microsoft Movie Maker. Well, they don't make it the Movie Maker anymore, but you move the yeah. files into into that. You you nail them for like a two second delay, and you have a nice time lapse video. And that video with yeah. 248 pictures ended up to be like a four or five minute video of here's the deer eating the apples, here's the bear showing up, here's the bear. Now here's yeah. the other interesting thing too about setting your camera up like that. Um, uh, the one thing you want to do a lot of times is uh, is try to triangulate your cameras. If you have more than one trail camera, of course, this guy wanted to borrow one of my trail cameras, and that's what I did. I had him set. I set the camera up. Go ahead, just put it up, turn it on, you're good to go. Um, but one of the, the things you want to do is triangulate the cameras, and the reason why is because if that camera moves or gets bumped, you can see what bumps it or moves it. And uh, you'll have another shot covering the camera. And, um, you know, too many times I think that, you know, uh, you know, people think automatically assume it may be a Sasquatch that's moving the camera, and we want to avoid that argument as well. We have right. to be clear as daylight to debunk as much as we can, even when it comes to our own research. Um, you know, and each piece of the, the major evidence evidences that you see on my, my website, um, we took long, long efforts into debunking uh, the items and, and asking the questions before even presenting it. Um, right. You know, the uh, New York baby video, I had that for uh, a good uh, 10 weeks before that became public. The Vermont trail cam photo was actually three months. Um, and we were yeah. looking at all sorts of 
different angles and, and trying to debunk it, including recreations, including blur tests, including analysis of the camera, weather data, everything. I, I mean, now then you have people. I'm going to oh. call. I'm going to call out names today. Then you have a a person out there. I think it's Rocky Mountain Bigfoot Kelly Shaw, who runs out there, and the day after he's got to put this research out. That's complete crap. And uh, no offense, <laughs> but he's been warned. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, here we, we, you know, there was this drone Bigfoot thing, and he went out, oh, I found all this evidence, and then two days later, the people who did the drone Bigfoot came out and said, oh, it was a man in a costume, here it is. You know, well, so everybody the, seems yeah, to the, be in a rush to beat everybody right. to the punch, and that's not the way yeah. you do good research, no, ma- no matter no. what. It takes a while to investigate each situation, and uh, I think people need to understand that. I mean, there's been stuff that we've looked at, uh, both you and I, Steve, and we, we agreed over, like uh, like a picture comes out on Facebook or something, and we're, hey, did you see that? Yeah, <laughs> guy in a suit. You know, yeah. <laughs> it, right. It's pretty yeah. easy you know, to, to pick stuff out. But uh, when it comes to the photo like the uh, uh, Vermont trail cam pick, okay, that was a toughie. And, uh, man, right. i tell you what, I, I think I, I, I almost permanently crossed my eyes there because I was going down to the pixel level <laughs> on that well, photo well, for weeks. <laughs> what happens there is there's kind of a, a reverse paradalia with that, uh, a paradalia effect with that picture because the first thing Frank told me was is that the biologist in Vermont looked at it for two seconds and said it's an owl and threw that picture back at him. And I looked at it first and I go, God damn, it is an owl. But then mm-hmm. I said, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me, let me really look at the minutiae of this. And right. I started looking at different things. And then, then it caught my eye because I know photography. Uh, right. I know video. I know pictures like the back of my hand. It was like a study of mine when I first got into this because the, the big, the real big, uh, uh, the real big uh, thing back when twenty years ago, it wasn't video; it was photos. Right. So you had to have a keen eye and pick up certain things. And I looked at it and I go, "If that's something in front of the camera, there is something. There, it can't be, cannot be." Because, number one, the IR would be blown out. I've been given so many pictures of this white Bigfoot. This white, oh, look, it's a white Bigfoot. No, it's not. It was close to the camera, and the IR flash blew it out. Blew it out. So that was the first thing. I'm going, no. But then I'm looking at the shadow. I'm going, the shadow is not right. And when I do presentations about the, the Vermont Trail Cam photo, um, Dr. Maccabee was right on the money because you can take your hand, put it in front of a light, where does it cast a shadow on the wall? And it's not until you get right onto the wall that that shadow is actually the outline of your hand. And that is the that is the parallax view. So whatever that was was on the ground. And if that was a bird, it was a thunderbird because it was huge. Um, and the scaling, we did scaling photographs. We checked the weather data. We actually, we knew the timestamp wasn't on the camera correctly. So we had to, we looked at the camera. Luckily I got the camera when the battery was still in it. So I could correlate the proper time of everything. Um, you know, and there was a lot of things negative, uh, you know, going on too. The camera wasn't set to the proper settings. The guy who set it up at the time was 68 going on 69 years old. 
Uh, yeah. He didn't know much about technology. He just, oh, I just turned the camera on and put it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you know, you, you had all these things that, that you had to contend with. And that is the whole process of, and then, of course, getting a third-party opinion that had no skin in the game. And that was yeah. Dr. Bruce McAvee. And, and like I said, my question yeah. to him was, is this something, very simple, is this something in front of the camera or is this something on the ground? I need to know if this is a bird or is this something on the ground? And, right. you know, ultimately he says, no, the shadow doesn't make sense. You know, the, the shadow makes no sense at all. Yeah. People ask me about the white patches in that picture all the time, and I always tell them it's probably not white patches. They're probably actually dark patches mm. um, because sometimes IR can do that. A dark, uh, a light figure, uh, something light will turn up as dark and something dark will turn up as light. It reverses it sometimes, and I believe that was the case. I know Frank at the yeah. time would love to say, well, I think it could be because he had done a daylight recreation with Brian Goslin. Yeah. And uh, who investigated first? And he thought that well, the sunlight coming through the trees almost looked like you know. Well, that that's what it could have been moonlight. Unfortunately, that day was a new moon, mm. so there's no way it could have been moonlight. So that kind of debunked yeah. his theory. On, on, maybe it was moonlight coming through the. No, it was. That was actually just uh, uh, what I think is a dark, actually dark patches. And well, um, yeah, that was so, something else. I thought, it's gonna be. This, well, see, it's, it's, I don't mean to do. I was going to say, is it something that, that is 1,000% a Bigfoot? No. Is it something that's going to prove a Bigfoot exists? No. But is it something I feel very well could be? Absolutely. And yeah. that's, all I, that's the way I present it. I don't say, hey, this yeah. is a Bigfoot. This is the Veron Trail Camp photo. Here's what we found. Simple as that. Yeah. We have too many people out there in the research field that want to say, oh, that's Bigfoot, oh, that's Bigfoot, oh, that's Bigfoot. And what they're looking for is to get that camera pointing at them in some sort of of recognition. And the only yeah. way you do that is by good, hard, field, long field work. Put the time in, you'll get your reward. Yeah. Well, uh, when you're talking about the light patches on that uh... – uh, yep. Suppose, suppose it's a Sasquatch or suppose an owl, whichever it was. Uh, I was thinking it could be like a something, some sort of coating on the hair that could cause that reflection. Uh, don't know, like uh, you know, oil or something. You know, I don't or know. Water. I don't know. Hard, hard to say. <laughs> really, yeah. it doesn't look reflective to me. It looks like it was actually blown. It looks like it was blown out. But we took pictures of a, a dude in a ghillie suit, and right. you know when we scale when we scale it to the what was in the picture, um, right? It, you know, it, it, it's it's a lot smaller. I mean, we we did the scaling with me, kind of recreating what we thought it was doing in that, and there were so many yeah. things. That was the other thing was, was the ghillie suit theory, and we had to you know number one, it wasn't hunting season. There was no gun visible in the picture. It was a front yard. It wasn't a backyard. It wasn't like this was some cut in the guy's property. This was his front yard, or and his driveway right. is just beyond that, as you see. And uh, you know his his area is so well posted that trespassers will be shot, survivors will be shot again. There's a picture of a gun. I don't dial nine one one. You know stuff like that. Um, and Frank, um, Frank. Uh, uh, history and people know that in his neighborhood too. 
that Frank, right. back in 2006 or 2007, came home and found a burglar in his house rifling oh. through his drawers. And he held wow. the guy at gunpoint, because Frank packs. And he yeah. held the guy at gunpoint until the cops got there. So you don't mess with Frank. <laughs> and and people <laughs> know that. So, um, <laughs> you know. Oh, man. So the Gilly suit just... The ghillie suit just didn't. Why, uh, on the surface of it, sounded like a like a, a good opportunity to go. It was so improbable, and the fact was yeah. the history, the historical, the historical area, uh, the history, of the historical Bigfoot sightings in the area. There have been, uh, there was like two or three sightings prior to the trail cam picture being taken, and there's been about right. four or five after the trail cam picture taken within a like six or seven mile radius of his house, including one that was less than a quarter of a mile from his house back about uh, two and a half years prior to the trail cam picture being taken. So right. a lot of history there. Um, not very far from Whitehall, New York either. It's, it's, you know, it's that Sedgeway, like I say, you know, in looking at Whitehall, New York, that maybe it's a kind of a pathway between the Adirondacks and Green Mountains. Well, where Frank lives, well, the Adirondack Mountains are still on the other side of him. So, again, that, that pathway, that, my, that, that maybe winter migration path we see seasonally. Um, well, happens. see, that was another, another thing, you know, the, with the, the, about the apples, okay? And uh, my mother has something similar happen to her, uh, I'm not going to say every year, but uh, and either in, and when, the ap- when the apples are ready in the fall, uh, sometimes in the spring, depending on what, which tree she, she's talking about, uh, her apples will disappear uh, from one side of the tree. And it's usually the side of the tree that's facing away from the house. You know, now we're talking <laughs> a couple of hundred yards that's away from the house, but still... Yeah, on the on the that's back what, side of the tree. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I've and been betting. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said I've investigated that before, and uh, sure enough, all the apples. You know, we're talking on one side of the tree. The back side of the tree were gone, and uh, there were some uh, heavy imprints left in the grass. I mean, you couldn't make out the uh, footprints, uh, like the shapes of toes or anything, but. Something very heavy had made impressions there. Right. Well, uh, a lot of people don't know that that you know in in Whitehall, at the the time of the whole A Bear Road incident, which uh, Seth Breedlove right. did the Beast of Whitehall, which was based about the 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 A Bear Road incident. Um, right. On that side of Route Four, which would be the north side of Route Four at that time in the seventies. There was a rather right. large apple orchard there. So yeah. there was a food source. Um, in 2006, um, in, in 2006, um, those apple orchards were no longer there. There, there is a major apple orchard on the south side of Route Four now, and we had a, a large flap of three or four sightings within a, a two-mile area over on that side of, of Route 4, near the apple orchard and in close proximity to the apple orchard. So um, we look at that. We look at the apple tree. We look at 
strangely and coincidentally, the 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 when if anybody has seen my presentation about the Vermont Trail Cam photo, I include video, a lot of video in it of of Frank showing the apple tree where it had been picked yeah. off, and it was picked off as high as eight feet tall, and the only yeah. thing really that can reach that necessarily would be a moose, and they leave some very definitive tracks because of their weight. <clears throat> how they display the, displace themselves, uh, how their right. weight is displaced. So that uh, you know, obviously that wasn't there. He thought maybe it could possibly be a bear, and that's why he wanted right. to put his trail camera up. Because if there was a bear, he doesn't hunt anymore. But he was a hunter at one time, and if there was a bear, he was going to cap it because he didn't want a bear roaming around the property. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, uh, again, that that section of the tree was away from the house which is facing away from the house. Yeah. And then as you go yeah. through the little nook, you had all the apples that were on the ground and that's yeah. where, you know, the, and that's where we get uh, into the trail cam photo. Uh, so the uh-huh. path it would have taken did not make total sense for if it was a human. Right. Um the other um the other kicker is is if we look at the New York baby video, again another one that defies a lot of common sense type of things when you try to debunk it. Um, and this is the, the kind of investigation that needs to be done. And granted, you do not see this evidence very often, this type of evidence. I have been blessed yeah. in 20 years to see a couple of things that made me go, wait a minute, let's look at this and look at it and break it down piece by piece. And I've been blessed to have that happen. And the first time was in... Uh, 2003, when I had gotten this video from a guy by the name of, um, not Frank, I keep thinking Frank right now, um, it, it, uh, Doug Pridgen, Doug Pridgen from New Jersey, who's been on this radio show many years ago. He's actually been on a couple of times. And um, he drew me a diagram, sent me the video cassette of it, and I took the right. video cassette um Popped it in my my VCR at the time because we're talking it's 2000. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the the video had been taken in 1997, so we've already lost five years. But yeah. he noticed this thing in the tree, and what he didn't notice was the bigger, darker object that was walking along the threshold. And very clearly, <clears throat> in this video, you see something hop off it. Right. Um, and I've isolated that. Um, it climbs hand over hand into the tree, starts swinging a couple of times between the two trees, and then drops down on one of them. Meanwhile, the taller one does a, a 180 and starts to come back and start walking back towards the tree it was swinging on. And then you kind of lose sight of it. Yeah. So he never saw the bigger one in the picture. He only saw the one hanging. So there was some talk back and forth after I'd finally gotten the, the tape. And, uh, you know, but the funny thing is, is, again, behind that area was apple trees. And it was, you know, an old apple orchard that right. was back there. Yeah. trees. Now, funny as it to say, I did not, when, when I had gotten that, that park had already been turned into an ATV park. So, yeah. you know, it was like, where the hell did this happen? I have no idea. I did talk to the owner. I did check for escapes from zoos, anything that maybe there were, maybe it was a chimpanzee that escaped, whatever. It doesn't seem to have a tail or anything like that. But 
Right. No, there was no escapes anywhere. No monkeys, no no apes, no nothing. Yeah. Um, confirmed with the owner that hey, we didn't allow pets. We didn't allow uh, we didn't allow any kind of pets because we weren't insurance rated for that. New York State, it's illegal to own a primate. So what you did is you looked at the common sense of the things. Okay, so if this is a guy that snuck a monkey into the event, the park, number one, he'd be breaking New York State law because you cannot own a monkey without a zookeeper's license. Number two, he would have broke park rules and snuck it past the people checking them in. Monkey's yeah. kind of a hard thing to hide. Um, they get kind of persnickety when you try to cover them up in a, in, in a, in a bag or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Number three, and this is probably the, the the biggest kicker that always stuck in my mind. Uh, and kite, that was correct. On the other side of the, the the man-made lake, there there was a music festival going on, and uh, that's why everybody was there in the camp, um, or at the event. And that's why that the video got taken. But yep, there was a music event going on. Um, on the other side, you know, did it attract their attention? Possibly, uh, but uh, because we know primates are naturally curious, so there you go. Um, and very right, Chris Squatch Doc. Um, <laughs> but uh, usually I'm the one with the one-liners tonight, and Chris is the one tonight with the one-liners. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but. Uh, the the final piece came to me was okay. Say a guy did all that. All right, I I I I have a I have a pet. Would you let your pet primate just climb a tree in the middle of at dusk? Makes no sense because you would oh, never get it. No, without that's right. Right, <laughs> that's right. So that's right. it's like, what the hell is this? You know, <laughs> you know. So it's stranger than fiction. And, of course, that's what Sasquatch is, stranger fiction at times. So, you know, and like I said, uh, you know, I went through step by step by step. <clears throat> and there's certain, I mean, that was after five years. So right. I eventually, like I said, I eventually did get to the property. I want to say it was around 2011, 2012, when Finding Bigfoot wanted to to do um, a show on that. And I helped them arrange yeah. that with Doug and and uh, they said, would you like to come out to the, the area? And you know, absolutely, I've been out there. So I go yeah. up there. As we're driving the property, I was driving the property. Uh, her name was Natalie. She was one of the uh, producers of, of the show. We're driving around, and all I'm seeing is wild berries everywhere, wild strawberries, wild raspberries, wild blueberries, wild blackberries, and apple trees. Yeah. I mean, literally, it was you, – you could live out uh, – any primate could live out there with the food source that was yeah. out there. I mean, just, and yeah. if you want a protein, sure there was deer that were coming in to snag some berries and snags and apples too. So there was just yeah. enough food source. There's water, there's food, everything a growing squash needs, I suppose. So, yeah. Um, well, I know, think so uh, it, New York, uh, most of, most of the trees uh, in New York are, are similar to what we have in Kentucky. You have a lot of nut-bearing trees. You'll have the uh, the hickory, the uh, oaks, uh, the uh, the beech nuts. Um, uh, oh gosh, a, a lot, you know. Um, and they're just growing out there in the forest, hardwoods with, uh, you know. And they every year they litter the ground, and literally, you know, you could take five-gallon buckets and fill them up anytime you wanted to. So 
I'm pretty sure that uh, that bears or Sasquatch could find enough protein. Uh, Christian, I would hate yeah. to live on hickory nuts. That would that would suck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe a good hickory nut pie every now and then is okay, but uh, man, there's so much stuff for them to eat out there. Just because uh, your average human would go out there and starve to death uh, yeah. doesn't mean that uh, Sasquatch can't flourish. Yeah. Well, there's a few things in the chat I wanted to cover. Uh, Kite Squatch, our buddy Alan, says, I was wondering why one of our big hairy friends would be that close to a festival and bring a youngster. Um, like anything, there's a lot of food source there. And mm. um, they were probably in there eating, and maybe they wanted to take a peek because primates are one of the few things that when they hear something out of the ordinary, they go towards it, not away from it. You hear a boom. Yeah. We're all looking out the window. That's a primate thing. We're naturally curious. You think curiosity right. killed the cat? Hell no. It killed a lot of primates. That's what it did. <laughs> so that's that, 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 that's what you know, we're interested in. Primates are naturally curious. Um, I was uh, <clears throat> watching the footage. Was was anyone able to see the possible mother Bigfoot at the base of the tree? Base Well, yeah. The the video shows yeah. it going. It was walking from right to left. And after the jump, it turns around 180 and goes back to the right a bit and then back. And you kind of lose it yeah. in there. The, 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 the little one never comes down off the tree. The video cuts off as it's still kind of swinging in the tree. So, um, And, so, and uh, I'd like to add, from, from the video, it looks like that uh, they're both staying in the little wooded area there. You know, yeah. they're, not coming out, they're, they're not coming out into the open. Now, there was a tent up there. There was a tent in the close proximity there. But Mm -hmm. um, Doug had said that they had left to go to the the festival, so nobody was there. And that's another whole other thing that I've observed over there is rock throwing. (laughs) Um, You know, what does, you know, rock throwing. And part of, I think, the rock throwing bit is just to kind of see or get a reaction. Is somebody there? Especially if you're being quiet, all of a sudden, uh, you know, I, uh, me and Stacy were sitting in camp back in 2013. The team goes out. Her and I stayed behind. We're sitting by the fire, not saying a word, just being really quiet. And within maybe five minutes or so, this baseball-sized rock comes landing into the camp about 20 feet away from us. And, we, of course, we got up and moved, and I think that's what we wanted to know. Is there somebody there? I'll chuck a rock. If I get a reaction then I know somebody's there. Right. Um, right. You know, and just so you know, I do have that rock right here. It's on my shelf. Um, <laughs> and, and that type of rock is nowhere near where we were camped out at. So I don't know where the rock came from necessarily. But it, it, it flew, and it flew in the opposite direction. It, it, it came flying in from the direction opposite to where the team went. So it couldn't have been any of the team members. And there certainly was nobody, you know, further east of us at that point in time. The, the team headed north. We were sitting facing, uh, I'm sorry, we were facing west, and the rock came from the west in an eastward direction towards us. So, um, you know, I, I think that's part of it. Uh, they're smart. They, you know, they're primates. They forward think. They plan. They, 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 they have abstract thought. They have all of that. So, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, when people say think they're supernatural, they're not. They're just superly attuned to their environment because that's their their domain. Um, you know, the I, I've always said the argument. You know, and I talk about this in my lectures. So you're getting a lot of stuff that I do in my lectures. As you know, I know, I know at least one of you guys out there in the chat room, and two of you actually, because Chris, you're one of them, has been to some of my lectures live. And I talk mm-hmm. about, you know, the supernatural. You know, people think they're supernatural. Well, I saw the Bigfoot, and then I ran across the road, and it was gone. It's got to be supernatural. Well, uh, is a deer supernatural? Because how many times do you see a deer run across the road? As soon as it gets in the woods, poof, it's gone. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, uh, you know, it's just it just has to do with camouflaging yourself. And let's face it, uh, us Homo sapiens over the years, our eyesight isn't necessarily as keen as it was when we were in the wild. Um, so we're not as attuned to picking things out of the forest as we used to be, perhaps at least most of us. Um, yeah. Well, I've noticed a lot of times, you know, uh, I used to go out with uh, people that had been in the woods and were like avid huntermen, hunter, hunters, huntermen, hunters and fishermen. You know, they're they're used to being outdoors. And most of those guys had grown up, you know, going hunting and fishing, being in the woods. You know, they enjoyed it. I do too, or I did too. And uh, those kind of guys are pretty observant. And they look around, and they know if they see a rattlesnake or a copperhead, they know they're not going to step on it. But now somebody that's never been out will go out into the woods, and they walk, they walk all over that snake. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, when, 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 when maybe you know, to me or you, it would seem obvious, you know, hey, that's a that's a copperhead there, you know. <laughs> uh, they just walk have... all over it. What was that? What bit me? I don't know what that was. Something bit me right in the womp. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, we do have a question in the chat room, kind of an opinion. Oh. Why do they not use or need fire? Well, I, I have a couple of uh, real thoughts on that. And thought number one is the Sasquatch has never been able, never been seen to use a complicated tool. And what I mean by a complicated tool, meaning is a tool that they have created or forged, um, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, they they may use sticks like chimpanzees. They you know to to gather termites on a stick or whatever for protein or whatever. Um, but they've never been seen to do that. And um, there is a prevailing thought that when man decided their brains evolved enough to create tools and, and eventually create fire, um, right. that that when we started cooking our meat. It expounded our intelligence exponentially. So I do not think they have the intelligence to do that. And uh, let's face it, they may be good hide-and-seek champions, but they're not – I think people, because they're so good at being elusive, people give them more credit than necessary sometimes. You know, they're cautious. Oh, they're very cautious – but I dare anybody to run out into the woods and catch a deer with their bare hands. It ain't yeah. going to happen. Right? And that's a deer. <laughs> you know, uh, try right. going into a, try going after a porcupine. You're not going to do it. A fisher cat. You're not going to do it. Not with your bare hands. They're going to hide. They're going to run. Yeah. They're going to get away. You know, yeah. it's not that they're su- they're not supernatural. 
you know, we because of the of the great chase, and that's because they're not in great numbers, that we have a hard time comprehending as. Let me, let me put it to you. We have a hard time com- comprehending as arrogant homo sapiens because we're so damn smart that we're being outsmarted by this thing and we can't figure out why. So it's got to be super intelligent, more intelligent than us. And that's a cop-out. <laughs> that is a complete yeah. cop-out that we see the supernaturalists go to. Well, you know, it, it's got to be supernatural. How do you explain this? Because we're a bunch of putzes in the woods now. Because let's face it, we are not creature. We are no longer, most of us are no longer animals of the woods. We are animals of the suburbs and cities. Yeah. yeah and that, exactly. that's what we are. And even our evolution has showed us that we've become less hairy. Not necessarily in my case, but we've become less hairy. <laughs> you know, uh, scientists predict that within 50,000 years, we're not going to have a pinky toe anymore. Because we don't need our toes, our toes have lost their flexibility. Because we don't, we don't need that anymore. We wear shoes, well, so our toes yeah. over the years have become less flexible and, and pliable to use to grip things. Yeah. So, you know, so understand. Uh, there's a lot of different things. The reason why our eyes have actually gotten bigger over the years. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things. But they're just evolutionary adjustments that we are slowly losing. Uh, it is, yeah. does make it kind of handy, though, because uh, especially when you're uh, identifying a footprint, uh, you know, with with a glance, you can pretty much tell, oh, well, that's that's not a Bigfoot. Uh, that's, that foot's been wearing shoes all its life. You know? <laughs> because of the curvature of the toes and stuff, you know, it, it's a pretty easy right. spot. And uh, with uh, the, the the Bigfoot tracks, they're not like that. Well, uh, Dick brings up a point, if I remember correctly, that some Native American stories noted that they did use fire in the past. I mm-hmm. always take legends, no matter whether they come from Native Americans or the ancient Greeks or the Mayans yeah. or whoever, you always got to take them with a grain of salt. You know, were they really Sasquatch that were using the fire? Perhaps they were a tribe dressed like Sasquatch, or you, know, you you never really know unless you were there. But there's been no modern time sightings, or at least what, or at least not valid ones, I think, of them using fire. Kind of goes with the, them burying their dead. Um, uh, if uh, I, I listened to a, a paleontologist talk that if Sasquatch buried their dead, we'd be finding their bones because burying the dead preserves the bones. Hmm. You know, so. No. So, uh, <laughs> Not if you yeah. bury them in Kentucky, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, it will because what it does is it preserves them from getting scab, uh, prevents them from getting scavenged. <clears throat> and yeah. if you look at the, the number of animals that eat bone. Uh, you have hogs, raccoon, fox, coyotes, wolves, bear. They all eat bone. You know, yeah. So, yeah. And, and then you have, you know, birds and carrion that eat the flesh and insects that eat the flesh and the innards and stuff like that. But burying, uh, we buried our dead originally to preserve the bodies. 
Mm-hmm. And if we did, we'd be digging up. If they buried their dead, we'd be digging up their bodies like we dig up the Native Americans. And sometimes, once in a great while, we dig up a Homo erectus. Yeah. So, which is our predecessors. So, you know, they. Um, Makes a lot of sense, and people also I, ask, and, and, the, and one of the defining arguments I like, and it came from the weirdest source, but actually it made a lot of sense. It actually came from Todd Standing, of all people, and mm-hmm. that's what makes him the dangerous hoaxer because he's done he, he's done some of his homework, and what he once said was that, you know, why aren't there any bones? Well, how many bones are there of the Gigantopithecus? And that's an excellent, valid point. There has never been a femur, a vertebrae, a rib bone, a skull found of a gigantic, not a phalange, not a metacarpal, not a metatarsal, not a, a tibia, a fibula, any of that clavicle. Nothing has been found of the gigantopithecus except two jaw bones, mandibles, and a handful of teeth. That's the only yep. thing that proves in the fossil record that a gigantopithecus <laughs> existed. Yeah. So if if by Man. by chance a Sasquatch is related to the Gigantopithecus, well, the Gigantopithecus ex- existed a hundred thousand years ago, and we've only found that much in the fossil record. Yeah. You know. So. Well, uh, the uh, thing is, you know, we, we have Mr. Porcupine to thank for those uh, Gigantopithecus uh, uh, remnants. Uh, but unfortunately, it was only what he couldn't eat. <laughs> Uh, but they still had chew marks on them, though. You know, that's uh, the porcupines dragging the bones into caves and eating them was uh, why they preserved the giganto uh, specimens. And uh, we may find the same thing in caves in the uh, United States, you know, with a little uh, a little digging here and there. But uh, the, the thing about that is, though, in Kentucky, uh, oh, God, that's a nightmare. I mean, uh, before, you, before you start doing a dig in a cave anywhere, you've got to get permitted up to your chin, you know, <laughs> because uh, the the current, uh, you know, Native American protection things going on, uh, they don't want you removing, you know, arrowheads and Indian bones out of the out of the caves if there is any. But, uh, you know, things are different now than they used to be. Used to be, you know, if you found something in the, in the cave, you'd call the uh, local college up and they'd come pick it up. You know, that would be the end of it. But uh, now they complicated. Yeah, a lot, a lot of a lot of red tape now. Oh yeah, yeah. I had had uh, my uh, uncle, my dad's twin brother, actually found a large skeleton in the cave with a hole in its head. And uh, everybody, you know, they uh, they checked it out, thought it might have been a murder victim or something. But sure enough, it wasn't. It was a, uh, a Native American, and uh, the uh, the hole from in its head had actually had some healing marks around it. So. Uh, it was theorized that he had actually had some sort of brain uh, issue, and they had performed some sort of, you know, uh, uh, surgery of some type. I don't know whether just to relieve pressure or what. Maybe let the evil spirits out, you know. And uh, he lived for, you know, a, a while after that. Looked looked like, according to the the bone growth. Huh. Fascinating stuff. That was interesting. Yeah, the, the dude was seven foot tall. <laughs> that's a tall Native that's American. One of, that's one of those. Yeah, that's one of those things uh, on file somewhere. 
if it hasn't been given back to the the First Nations uh, for reburial somewhere else. But a lot of a lot of Native American uh, remains have been found in caves around here. Uh, they had one at uh, Mammoth Cave. Uh, uh, poor guy, I can't remember what they called him, but he had been chipping uh, on some gypsum uh, from the mouth of the cave. You know, not not too far inside the mouth. And uh, they think that you know they used to eat gypsum for some reason. We don't know why. But uh, they they would keep chipping this gypsum away from the walls, and of course they would have a ledge above them because they kept going further and further back as they would chip more gypsum. And hey, sure enough, uh, yeah, but we got a caller. Yeah. Oh, okay. Go Come on in. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Man. Hey, I think we have a caller from Missouri. Come on in. You're on Squash Detective Radio. That's Missouri, not Missouri. And this is Ron Bowles. Hey, Ron, how are you? Oh, good, good, good. I, I, actually, I was listening in, I, and uh, I was listening about the, uh, you know, the interesting part about not finding the skills for remains. That was, uh, that's very interesting. And uh, you brought up about the uh, caves in, in Kentucky. The problem with finding anything that far as, uh, you know, Gigantopithecus or whatever dirt, I mean, unless it's recent uh, deceased, or and I'm talking when I mean recent, I mean in the past 200 years. Uh, unless it's, uh, uh, you know, but if you're talking like during the Ice Age or any time around there when the Gigantopithecus was actually, you know, uh, uh, on the Earth, the problem is is that this uh, Missouri, Kentucky, that area. We were under the water. Mm-hmm. We're part of, yeah. you know, under the sea. So, matter of fact, that's the reason why we have so many caves is because, well, they were sort of wallowed out by uh, by the ocean. And uh, very but, true. Uh, yeah, which includes Tennessee, Kentucky, um, you know, in uh, in another uh, Arkansas, of course, Louisiana. Yeah, we were pretty much uh, the Gulf of Mexico at that time. Right. Yep. Yep. And for I, I know pe- some folks are having trouble hearing you. But what Ron Ron has said uh, we got Ron Bowles from Missouri on our good friend Ron who's been a guest here on the show. Um, actually said that Missouri and Kentucky and 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 that part of the state was actually a part of the country was actually underwater and part of the Gulf of Mexico, you know, a hundred thousand yeah. years ago. And uh, probably yeah. in another hundred thousand years from now, probably will be again. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a real good point. You know, that's why. Can you, hear you know, better now? I don't know. I, I, you I, you're now? still kind of muffled. Yeah, I, I, I can't really hear you, bud. I, <laughs> uh, I might be on this end too. I don't know. There, I took the case off. Hey, that's uh, there you go. Anyway. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I but I I uh yeah, I'm not worthy of a new case. I I get whatever's left over from my kids and my and my wife. So you know. <laughs> well, that's that that's what you do for putting an Apple Five case on an Apple Seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jam that sucker right on. <laughs> How are you, my friend? Good hearing from you. I'm uh, I'm I'm doing a lot better. Uh, if you would have talked to me about a month ago, it, it, it wasn't much to hear because I was uh, fighting pneumonia pretty much all uh, oh. January and February. 
Oh, but, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm percent up to it, and uh, there was I mean it, it was so bad that I actually cracked a rib uh, from the coffin fits, oh. and that pissed me off because oh. after I got done with the pneumonia, I had to deal with that. So, but I'm, I'm back at it. I'm back up to it. Well, hey Ron, just do me do yourself a favor and and, and is get yourself the pneumonia shot when you can next time. There is a vaccine <laughs> for pneumonia. And uh, well, I, yeah, I, I know. A <laughs> little know, late now, Coles. A little late now. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for the advice. <laughs> but, but please, like saying, you, what, you really that, should put on the sun. You really should, shouldn't look at the sun. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you know what? You know what happened was, is, uh, you know, I, I, because I have diabetes, I get all the vaccinations I can get. But um, yeah. last November, uh, to get off topic here, last November, I, I started getting some shoulder pain. I'm like, oh, what the hell did I do to my shoulder? And before you knew it, my my whole rib cage was hurting. I'll be damned I got the shingles. Oh, and yeah. it, so what I, I just did, now that I'm over it, I just got the shingles vax. I shot one of the shingles vax a couple of weeks back. And I'm like, no, I, I don't want that again. Shingles vax, please. And that way, I don't have to deal with that crap again. But, but uh, you know, you know that's, one, that's one of the things that uh, that's one of the things that people always ask me. You know, do you think the uh, do you do you think the uh, uh, the squatches are are smarter than humans? And I said, well, I don't know, but the but I guarantee you, we have better dental and medical plan. I bet you we do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but for whatever reason, they don't need Rogaine. <laughs> like some of us. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm sure they have. I'm sure they chew something up and spit it and rub it on something. So we'll see. <laughs> well, I, you know, I was browsing through the internet here, Steve, looking for the name of that uh, that American uh, uh, Native American they found in the Mammoth Cave, crushed underneath the, the rocks there, and I can't find yeah. it. He had a name. He had a name, but now they're just listed him as a Native American. Uh, he was uh, found under a boulder with a primitive digging tool, skull yeah. and a few bones remaining intact. They did have a name for him, and as a matter of fact, I think he was on display at one time, but they probably, of course, you know, that's not yeah, what they, you know, they're saying. <laughs> they're saying some Native American tribe sort of frowned upon that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but name. this dude, uh, he, was, uh, he was digging some gypsum out from the cave wall, and a, uh, a boulder above him fell down on top of him and squished him. And uh, suppose I guess they didn't find him, and I didn't find a date when they found him, but uh, perhaps it was sometime during the 1800s when they were digging, uh, excavating the cave for uh, saltpeter. But uh, interesting history, anyway. Hello. Ah, we're here. Yeah, man. Okay, I'm reading the chat. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, faded, I, I was faded out. <laughs> now we're getting off. Uh, I'd like to. Uh, yeah, I would like to uh, look up and see what kind of municipal properties or uh, or uh, for what pers- uh, purpose gypsum uh, would have for someone that you know, especially in a, a Native American would uh, would go right. after the interest. Right. Yeah, that's you the know, thing. I, you know, I don't. I don't know what they did with it, and I don't think they did either. The the scientists, but uh, 
it was supposed that uh, he had been uh, eating it because some was found in his stomach contents. But now, if he was squished, you know, I, you could argue, well, <laughs> maybe maybe some of the gypsum from that boulder ended up in his stomach contents without him eating it. But, yeah, uh, and if he did su- uh, suffer from uh, uh, from that disease, where you know, uh, what do they call that? You know, like Andre the Giant, uh, uh, when you know the the body growth yeah. is yeah. overwhelming. You're talking. You're probably talking about a man that was a uh, was a during an incredible amount of pain. Right. Know, oh, okay. Uh, I, know, I know. I know. Now you're you're talking about the uh, the skeleton. Uh, I was talking about my my uncle that found. Oh, yeah. That okay. that was a different one. That was a different one. There was one found in Mammoth Cave, and that was the Indian guy that was squished. And uh, he was found w- with the uh, digging tool as he had been digging gypsum. Now the other the other guy uh, was found in a private owned cave, a privately owned cave by my uncle. And uh, what he used to do, he used to be a spelunker. That was his thing. Uh, you know, whenever he got off uh, off work or got a weekend off, he would go out and he would uh, go through these wild caves. And, uh, of course, you know, I'm sure he had a motive. It was probably trying to find arrowheads or uh, Confederate gold or something, you know. But uh, <laughs> he he did find a, a full, a complete skeleton in this one cave. And there was a big stink about it when it happened. And I'm thinking, I don't know the exact year, but it was probably, I'm guessing, in the 60s. And uh, because this skeleton had a hole in its head, of course, everybody thought, "Oh my God, you know, it's a murder victim!" And yeah. uh, so uh, the the law enforcement was called in, and then uh, they in turn called someone from a university, and I'm not even sure which university. It may have been from the University of Louisville. I'm not certain, but uh, they came in and identified. And said, "No, no, no, this is not uh, this is not current remains. This, these are ancient remains." And uh, then the, the the doctor that came in, or the, the whoever it was, the archaeologist, uh, had identified that the hole in the head had been performed as a, a, a sort a sort of uh, primitive surgery, and he yeah. theorized that the guy probably had something wrong with him, and they had opened his opened his skull out for something. Uh, yeah, well, actually, to release release an evil spirit. Mm-hmm. Actually, that is. I mean, I don't know how old the skeleton is, but. Uh, that was a that that was a common practice with a lot of um, early I mean the same time as using using the uh, 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 bleeding you know or right. you know, where they where they bleed or or with leeches and and right. uh, certain things like that I mean uh, um, matter of fact um, I remember seeing an episode of uh, ER I think where. Mm-hmm. The uh, where where a couple of paramedics came upon a, uh, uh, guys that uh, that actually I mean that, that were practicing. I mean, some people actually do that today. Something about it, it, it uh, by yeah by by surgically putting a hole in their skull yeah. and relieving the uh, uh, the the fluids around the brain so the brain think more clearly and you can use more. I mean, I mean it's stupidity yeah. and it's finest. But it's yeah. not unheard of. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know the yeah, thing that really got the thing that well, got us to stop. You know, about, about, oh, go ahead. Man. 
No, I just wanted to answer a question. It's not like I have like a sinus issue going on. No, actually, I have laryngitis. <laughs> Uh, it's actually gotten a lot. It's actually gotten a lot better than what it was. Uh, I'm able to talk at least. I'm still a little raspy. Yeah. Um, in the mornings, I'm a lot better. But as the day progresses, it gets a little bit, a little bit more raspier through the day. But I appreciate it. But it's laryngitis, not sinuses. I wish. <laughs> uh, Steve, I, I do have a question for you and, and the fine and the other gentleman. Um, you know, speaking of caves. I mean, I'm constantly approached about um, do I think that, you know, Bigfoot lives in caves or in a a terrestrial uh, network of caves. And and I'm thinking, well, I mean, that'd be all fine and good, but not everywhere has the geographical ability to to, um, support such a theory. Well, I I think... Uh, and, and Ron, I really think that had they lived in caves, we would have backed one up into one. I don't think they stay in a place that has no way out. Yeah, I don't think they door. did. Right, I don't think they dead end themselves. Um, and there would be other. I think maybe you would see a little more um, muddy or you know, dirt cake Sasquatches than what's been reported. They're reported as mangy, having, you know, long fur sometimes, you know, long hair rather. They're, they're, you know, I, I think that if they were true cave dwellers, they would be more matted. Their eyesight would be probably nil or, or worse than it is because evolution over time, look at the spiders that live completely in caves. They have, they're blind. They don't even have eyes mm. <laughs> because evolution has done away with them. Um, but I, I really don't think they ever go into a place where they would be backed up to a wall. Otherwise, one we would have found one a long time ago. Yeah. And two. Well, there was actually, and two. Uh, there was, oh, go ahead. And two. Um, there's a lot of other more dangerous animals like mountain lions, bear, you know, packs of wild dogs that like inhabiting caves themselves. So I think they avoid yeah. them. To tell you the truth. Well, there well, was an actual old news, uh, newspaper uh, uh, story about the Blue Man of the Ozarks, which was a uh, you know name for a Sasquatch-like creature in, in my neck of the woods. And uh, back before Bigfoot ever came, uh, the word Bigfoot ever came to, to put in. And one of the stories is that you know they actually uh, a posse of, of local uh, uh, locals actually hunted one of these things and backed it into a cave. And they thought they had it cornered and they and they went in and sure enough there was another way out. Now they found inside the cave, you know, uh pieces of of uh bones and, and uh you know what used to be a meal but and I don't you know, and this was like eighteen hundred so you get really got a question on whether or not how much is sensationalism and and which is true back then. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, you know, not to be political, but, you know, they had a lot of fake news back then. Anyway, uh, yep. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but they, but, uh, but, you know, it, it's just interesting that they, you know, they thought they had, uh, a blue man or a Bigfoot, uh, cornered in a cave, come to find out, yep, yeah, there's another exit out of there. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, not not to get political about it, but 
it's very obvious to me that the Sasquatch were colluding with the men in black to get him out of the tunnel. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the helicopter. Don't forget about the helicopter. That's right. Um, but, but it's funny. Um, I think it was 2006 or 2007 I was down uh, with J.C. Johnson and Leonard Dan down in uh, New Mexico. And they were uh, investigating a series of sightings that had occurred in cornfields in Lower Fruitland. And they wanted us to check this cave out nearby. And that's one of those areas where it goes from, okay, here's this these cornfields in Lower Fruitland and some, some, some arable land to desert almost and this cave. <clears throat> so we go to this cave. And automatically, I noticed something off to the side, like something had been laying in the dirt. There was a head and a shoulder, and the thing was a good seven foot tall where this impression was. Okay, so I look at it. That's interesting. We go into the cave, and the reports that the Native Americans have been saying is that they see the creatures eating the corn. We go into the cave, and what do we find? Corn husks corn husk. and, corn, and and eaten corn cobs, mm-hmm. and that was in the cave. Of course, that cave did have a back door too. So Excellent. found that interesting. So yeah, it, it, could it be a cave? Yeah, because they can go out the back door. Now, Is that so, northern New Mexico? Uh, yeah, it was in the uh, Four Corners area. Oh, cool. So, yeah. I'm... Yeah, I'm hoping they go in that. Um, uh, there's an expedition uh, uh, coming June, and right. and, uh, and I'm hoping that, and I'm hoping to join my uh, friend Boyd and uh, Kurt up there uh, that's well, uh, that's coming June. Well, the, the the Chiska Mountains obviously have a history of Sasquatch sightings. Uh, I actually went to the Lukachukais. Uh, and the other ranges, the Carrizos. I don't know too much about the Carrizos, but I was up on, on the Lukachukais, and that's where we had gotten a report from the Navajo Ranger, how the previous winter um, a couple of guys had come down and said, can you get our stuff? We don't want to go back up there. And when he got back, when he went up there, the camp, the, the tents had been, like, ripped apart. And there was, as the, the Navajo Ranger said, there was large foot tracks all over the place. That's what the Native Americans call them. They don't call them prints. They call them foot tracks. Mm. And that basically is a barefoot print in the snow. So, yeah, very interesting story. And that came from a, a game warden uh, from the Navajo land. Yeah, I, I spent some time up there uh, last fall. And uh, it was the Navajo, it was the Apaches. And what I found amazing about uh, uh, being around them, they talked about seeing a Bigfoot like you and I would talk about seeing a, a deer run across the road. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, oh, yeah, it's like, yeah I, yeah, I saw one a couple of months ago. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, you know or, or yeah, but my, my cousin, yeah, he said he, you know, and they just talked to like like it was, you know, ain't nobody. Just you know, it is what it is. Well, if you want to get hooked up with uh, Leonard Dan, if you're going to be on any of the Navajo stuff near Shiprock or um, or Farmington, New Mexico, give me a holler. I'll hook you up with Leonard Dan. He's one of the, the tribal elders. Great guy, and that guy yeah. can outwalk anybody. And he's in his seventies, 
and uh, great guy. No, was a geologist. Knows the the stories of Sasquatch. Knows the stories of the Skinwalkers all over that place. So he's a good. He was uh, one of J.C. Johnson's partners, and uh, you know it's too bad J.C.'s gone. Otherwise, I'd hook you up with him too. But um, but yeah, Leonard's a solid guy. So who brought up about the porcupines eating the skeletons? That would be oh, the that, that, That's me. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's why we have uh, Gigantopithecus uh, uh, fossils. Uh, they were found in the caves, and uh, they had. Uh, Teeth marks on them from uh, porcupines. You think it's porcupine, <laughs> or could have been, or could have been, uh, uh, you know, ancient some ancient uh, 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 form of a pig? Because you know, pigs. I mean, I'm, I'm more scared of pigs than I am of anything else in the woods. One of the things that uh, the uh, porcupines like to do was uh, to get the calcium and the nutrition from bones. Yeah, for their quills. So, uh, yeah. yeah, what they would love to do is to find a skeleton that uh, they could uh, grab a hold of, and then see they would have to dig a bone, grab a bone out of it, and run away with it, and uh, take I it see. somewhere where uh, they could actually have their little uh, chew fest on the bone without being disturbed, you know, or or being somebody else's lunch. So they would drag these things in. <laughs> yeah, they would drag these things into caves, and uh, the only reason we have uh, the uh, the teeth marks is, I mean, excuse me, the teeth from the giganto is because they were so hard, uh, the porcupines couldn't eat them. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, these well, dudes have well, some pretty tough teeth. <laughs> well, this one gentlemen, because the only, the only thing that the only they left from a pig will be the teeth. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, Gentlemen, I hate to say this, but it's time to close the show out. It's ten twenty nine already. Oh, 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 okay, okay. It's only nine thirty here. (laughs) Well, yeah, well, it's only nine thirty where Chris is too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for calling in tonight, Ron. Good to talking to you, my friend. All right, get better and uh, and uh, thanks, Ron. And I'm I'm glad you're in good health. So, folks, on behalf of all of us here at Squat Detective Radio, we got to get off the air real fast because we're going off the air in ten seconds. So, everybody, have a great week. Stay healthy. God bless, and most of all, keep on squatting. Catch you all next week. Thank you for listening to Squatch Detective Radio. Join us each week on Blog Talk Radio Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern as your hosts. Veteran Bigfoot researchers, Steve Culls and Chris Bennett, bring you guests from around North America, exploring the mystery of the beast known as Bigfoot. 